0: Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, Growing in Faith and Friendship. The Bible reading is from Luke chapter 4 and verses 14 to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, Jesus was about 30 years old when he started his public ministry. We don't really know what Jesus did between the age of 12 and 30. We know that when he was 12 years old, his parents lost him in Jerusalem and then later found him in the temple debating and discussing with the top rabbis in the land. And everyone was amazed at his understanding. And it was probably at that point, when Jesus was 12 years old, when He was coming of age, that Jesus suddenly discovered His vocation, that He was the Messiah. But we don't know what He did for the next 18 years. We're only told in Luke chapter 2, and verse 52, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor with God and with all people. So it's most likely He grew up in Nazareth, and became a carpenter, a builder. In those days, a carpenter was more like a builder. They would build anything from houses to carts, anything that used wood in the material. And so Jesus was most likely a carpenter, a builder by day. And it's also most likely that every evening, after work, he would meet together in a local group called the Friends, who would... Study and have theological discussions around the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Any devoted Jew would be a part of such a group, and they would be devoted to studying the Bible. And so, after 18 years of theological education, albeit informal education, he wasn't sitting under a a, a renowned rabbi, This was little old Nazareth, after all. But after 18 years of informal theological education, Jesus is now very well acquainted with the Old Testament and is even thought of, by some people at least, as a rabbi. And so it's at this point, when Jesus is about 30 years old, that he starts his public ministry. But before he does that, he goes down from Nazareth, Up in Galilee, he goes down from his hometown in Nazareth all the way down to the wilderness area near Jerusalem in order to be baptized by John in the Jordan River. And it's at his baptism that the Holy Spirit comes down upon him. And he is anointed with the Holy Spirit, he is empowered by the Holy Spirit for ministry. And then for the next 40 days, he's tempted by the devil in the wilderness. After that, he returns to Galilee, up north in Galilee, to start his public ministry. And in Luke's gospel, he starts his public ministry by preaching in his hometown of Nazareth and being rejected. This is the first story that Luke tells us. Now, we know from the other Gospels that Jesus was ministering around Galilee and especially in Capernaum for quite some time time before he went to Nazareth and before he was rejected at his hometown. And even Luke, The writer of the gospel is aware of this. For in Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 to 15, he he says that Jesus has been ministering in Galilee. He's been going from synagogue to synagogue teaching. He's been on a kind of preaching tour. And he's quite a sensation. The, The word about him is spreading fast. He's very popular. He's trending on Twitter. And in verse 23, Luke shows that he's even aware that Jesus has already performed many miracles in Capernaum. Yet uh, yet Luke wants to start with this story. This story of Jesus preaching in his hometown of Nazareth and being rejected. Why does he want to start with this story? Well, this story functions as Jesus' manifesto. Just like a politician would announce a manifesto before an election, this is Jesus' manifesto. And this manifesto reveals who Jesus really is and why he's come. And this story also functions as a foretaste of how people, especially his own people, are going to respond to who Jesus is and to his ministry and his message. And so Luke wants us to read the whole gospel through the lens of this story. So let's examine uh, this particular episode. We read in verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, his hometown. And on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Just a side note. If Jesus needed to go to synagogue every week, how much more do we need to come to church every week? But on this particular occasion, Jesus was the guest preacher. He was the visiting rabbi, And the synagogue was packed. Everyone wanted to see this hometown boy made good. And Jesus knew everyone in the synagogue, and everyone there knew him. And we continue with the reading. He stood up to read. In those days, it was their custom for everyone to stand up for the Bible reading. So he stood up to read, and, he, and, the roll of the, uh, sorry, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, this just shows you how well he knows the Bible. I mean, there were no page numbers. There weren't even chapter numbers and verse numbers. Those were only added over a 1,000 years later. And yet he's able to find his exact place in the scroll. And then he reads what we would call Isaiah chapter 61 and verses 1 to 2. Albeit a slightly edited version. He he slips in a phrase in the middle from Isaiah 58. Why does he do that? Well, that will become clear. Later, And this is what he says, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. Now this passage from Isaiah 61 was a very well-known passage. It was one of the so-called Servant of the Lord passages. You see, within the book of Isaiah, there's this very mysterious anointed person. The anointed king, the anointed servant, the anointed Anointed prophet. And this very mysterious anointed person became referred, was referred to as the Messiah, the hoped-for Messiah. Now, the Hebrew word Messiah simply means anointed. And they believed that when the Messiah would come, he would put the world to right. He would usher in God's kingdom, God's rule. And bring justice and peace. And of course, this reference to anointing is referring to Jesus' baptism when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and anointed Jesus. And he continues, because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, the poor is not referring to, not necessarily referring to those who are literally poor, but is referring to those who are spiritually poor. The outcasts, the marginalized, those who are excluded from society, the, the people that society have forgotten and mistreated. Those who know they need forgiveness. And the good news is that God hasn't forgotten them and that God forgives them through his Messiah. We continue. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now, the prisoners were referring to the exiles, the refugees who were in captive in foreign lands, in Babylon, now southern Iraq. And the freedom was the freedom for them to come home. But it was a comprehensive freedom. It was both a, a physical and a spiritual freedom. It was a physical, it was an economic, social, and political freedom, but it was also a spiritual freedom, a forgiveness of sins and and a freedom from all kinds of addictions. Continues, and recovery of the sight for the blind. There will be all kinds of physical healings. And and the most uh, obvious sign of the Messiah was that even the uh, blind people would see. And then we have this phrase that Jesus slips in from Isaiah 58. To set the oppressed free. Why does Jesus add that phrase? Well, it's made the point that the Messiah hasn't just come to proclaim freedom. He's not just a prophet, but he's come to actually bring about that freedom. To set the oppressed free. And then he ends by simply saying in verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's referring to the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years, all debts were cancelled, all slaves were set free, and all property was returned to the original owners. Freedom. This essentially means forgiveness and freedom. And so the... The the freedom that the Messiah would bring would be spiritual, physical, and social, economical, and political freedom. It was a comprehensive freedom. And this was a well-known passage about the coming Messiah. We then read in verse 20, Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down down. In those days, of course, everyone was standing for the Bible reading. After the Bible reading, the person who read the text would sit down and explain it. They would preach. The preacher would preach by sitting down. He would sit down to preach. I like that. I think we should make ABC a little bit more biblical, and from now on, I should preach sitting down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. Everyone's watching him because he's about to preach. And his sermon, just one sentence, we read in verse 21, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I know what you're thinking, couldn't we have more biblical sermons in ABC? I mean, Mike, why can't you just preach for one sentence? Well, before you get too excited, I just want to point out that it says, he began by saying, okay, this isn't his whole sermon. This is just his opening line. And this is the big point of the sermon. His big point is that, He is that Messiah. I am He. I am the Messiah. And a new era of God's salvation is about to start through me. Wow. What a claim to make. What what a bold claim to make about yourself. I am He. Jesus was either insane, I mean completely deluded, or he was a complete liar, a complete fraud, or he was telling the truth, and he is the Messiah, the Son of God. C.S. Lewis, the, the author of the Narnia series, very famously has argued in response to those who were claiming that Jesus was just a great moral teacher, a really good guy, very inspiring, but just a human, just a normal guy. In response to that, he said, a man who was merely a man and said the thought of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So either Jesus is a lunatic, or he's a liar, or he is the Lord, the Messiah. And we have to make a choice. We can't sit on the fence. We can't just say, oh, I think he's a really great guy, really inspiring, great teacher, but nothing more. He simply has not left that open to us. And so we need to make a choice. How did the people in his hometown in Nazareth respond to such a claim? Well, we'll look at that next time. (laughs) Today, I want to focus on how we are going to respond. Jesus claims that He is the Messiah. And He claims that He has a mission to bring freedom. Freedom from guilt, forgiveness. Freedom from greed, selfishness, and addiction. Freedom from demonic oppression. Freedom from social, economic, and political oppression. Debts canceled, slaves freed, property returned, refugees welcomed home. Freedom from physical illness, the blind see. And ultimately, freedom from death. And Jesus paid the price of our freedom on the cross. For on the cross, Jesus defeated sin, evil, and death. Jesus brings about true freedom. But how do we know that this claim is true? Well, John the baptizer, uh, when he was in prison... He wanted to know if Jesus really was the Messiah. So he sent messengers to Jesus to find out. And Jesus replies to these messengers in Luke chapter 7 and verse 22. He says to them, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. You see, Jesus actively fulfills his manifesto through his ministry. It's true. And the ultimate sign that this is true is Jesus rising from the dead. He is the Messiah who brings about true freedom. And so, we firstly need to acknowledge who Jesus really is. He is the Messiah who brings true freedom. And then, we need to come to Jesus and receive freedom. We need to put our trust in Jesus because it's only through Jesus that we can experience this freedom. Of course, it's only when Jesus returns that we will experience this freedom fully. But even now, we can experience that freedom and that forgiveness now that we will later one day know fully. Rob, a couple of weeks ago, preached about our redemption is being processed. Theologians call this the now, but not yet. We can experience it now. We can, as we put our faith in Jesus, we can experience forgiveness and freedom now, but not yet fully. And therefore, my third point, we need to grow in this freedom. Until Jesus returns, we need to continually be growing in this freedom. And the way we do that is by getting to know Jesus more and more. And the way we do that is by reading our Bible regularly, by praying regularly, by coming to church regularly, just as Jesus came to synagogue regularly. We slowly get the heart of Jesus and walk more in that freedom. Victoria and I are going on holiday tomorrow. And we're going to be spending a lot of time reading our Bibles and praying. Holiday is a great time to really get into the Word of God. We've been looking at the parables through the Gospel of Luke. Why don't you, over the next few days or weeks, reread the whole Gospel of Luke? Read it afresh. Allow God to speak to you and help you to grow in that freedom. But then, fourthly, we need to share this freedom. We need to share this freedom. You see, as a follower of Jesus, Jesus' manifesto becomes our manifesto. It's now our manifesto. We are God's agents in the world, bringing God's freedom to a broken, hurting, and oppressed world. We are God's channel of grace. The Holy Spirit is now upon us and he's anointed us to go and proclaim good news. The Jesus manifesto is now our manifesto. The Spirit of the Lord is on us because he has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is our manifesto. This is our mission. And this is our calling. So as followers of Jesus, let's stand. That's not a suggestion. Let's stand and proclaim our manifesto together. Let's say it together. The Spirit of the Lord is on us because He has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is our manifesto. This is our mission. This is our calling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank You that You came in Your Son, Jesus. That He is the Messiah who brings about freedom, real freedom. And that we can start experiencing this freedom right now and we can grow in it. But Father, we thank You more than that, that You have given us a mission. You have given us a manifesto that we can be your agents in the world, bringing about your freedom. And so, Father, we want to commit ourselves afresh to being your channel of peace. Won't you anoint us afresh with your Holy Spirit? Won't your Spirit be upon us so that we can proclaim good news to the poor, that we can reach out to those who are marginalized, who are outcast, who are oppressed, and that we can be... A channel of your love. Maybe just think for a few moments in ways where you need to experience more freedom. More forgiveness. Maybe you are are, are just needing freedom from guilt. Or freedom from, from selfishness or greed or any kind of addiction. Perhaps you're needing some healing. God, just to touch your life afresh and bring healing to think of ways that how you can share this freedom with others, sharing this good news with people maybe who don't even know Jesus. Sharing this freedom to someone you, you know there's a relationship where there's brokenness and, and somehow you know that God is calling you to speak to them and speak into that situation, to pray for them. Maybe you know someone who is struggling with some kind of illness and God is just wanting you to come and comfort them, pray for them. Maybe there are ways that God has challenged you to stand up against poverty. Maybe God has challenged you to, to stand with those who have been marginalized and outcast. Let's just spend a few moments thinking and just asking God to tell you, what is He asking you to do? What is He saying to you? And then more than just what is He saying, what, what are you going to do in response to that? And when you know what God is saying and what you need to do, Just in the quietness of your heart, just commit that to God. Just pray and say, God, that's what I hear. I believe you're calling me to do. You want me to do it, and I'm going to to do it. Please, won't you anoint me with your Holy Spirit afresh so that I can do it? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your Spirit is upon us and that you have anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor, that you have sent us to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight, for the blind, to set their press free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.